Today is March 23rd, 2023. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestakom Aki, or Dakotes Nagotine Siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My, my name, Dakotes Nagotine in uh, Satu Dene. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's actually been referred to the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klincho Tine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary, or I'm Blackfoot Mokinstis, says Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. Through my father, I am the daughter of a Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act and Post status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share my journey as I walk down the red road. As a Dene woman who's attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions. Last night, I just spent 1800 bucks, folks. <laughs> uh, will leave my home and have left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow incarceration, denial of justice, denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples. So I have work to do, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today, and I hope we honor the many Indigenous lives lost for the so-called country named Canada. I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping harm as a citizen, as a, a treaty partner, and in reconciliation. Pride Month should never be one month. It is important to understand that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all folks to introduce themselves with their acknowledgement of their ancestors, their pronouns, stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you won't pronounce your local Indigenous nation's name, won't say your pronouns, your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression, your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101, because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Jesse Winty's book Unreconciled explains this perfectly as do many Indigenous authored books Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism. 
but that would be a part of a treaty partnership, meaningful reconciliation and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I learn proper pronunciation. Now with that, finally, let's get to a land acknowledgement, folks. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south and the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed in 1877 with signatures, of course, with the Blackfoot Confederacy, but then including the Wesley Chiniki, Bearspaw Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands all non-Indigenous or treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you could pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media as well. And with that, I would like to welcome my guest. Uh, Maddie, would you like to introduce yourself in your way? Oh, I would love to. Thanks, Michelle. That's just, it's my long form and I'm, I'm, I, you'll hear some pronunciation gaps as well. So howdy. Ishmisha Maddie, Mian Macmillan, Mian David, Mian McNeil, McNeil, McDonough, Manitoba, Bo Ila Troshron Protan. So that was very broken Gaelic, but uh, Scottish Gaelic, but I told you who I am and a bit of my paternal line in those long traditions. About seven generations ago and time before, my family were Gaelic crafters in the Hebrides. Colonialism eroded that way of life that concentrated powers to the chief who got paid off to clear the lands. When it was my family's turn, uh, their wave landed in Proton County. That's uh, northwest of Toronto for your Ontario fans. Uh, there they were abandoned, but they're also free of the chiefs, but they're made to take pride in only their skin color and to change everything else about them. From colonialism to cap capitalism and rail politic, they were tricked into servitude in Manitoba without their waves, without their people, without with the demeaning of women and without any place to speak their language. They weakened until no more songs were sung. There's a lot of Gaelic songs about Manitoba that made their way back to Scotland and I've yet to come across a good one, but I'm glad my eyes are opened on that decolonization journey. Now my Gramsci settled in Calgary and that makes me a third generation family under this treaty. I was born and raised uh, in the shadow of Nose Hill, grew up along Nose Creek and at the confluence of Mokinsis, all possible through Treaty 7. And that's my very long way of saying I fall under this uh, the crowns, I'm a subject of the crown side of the Treaty 7 partnership that I'm glad uh, folks are focused on working now. I know it's a very long journey, but I've learned a lot and I'm glad it's grown. Uh, a little more about me, I'm Maddie. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, they, them. I'm a person of many spectrums. I'm a trans femme, non-binary ex-marker Canadian, and I'm glad to be sharing your time and time of listeners. Uh, yeah. That, that's my long form <laughs> intro. Uh, Michelle offered her platform when I saw her uh, as, uh, as, a, as an ally and a defender of uh, uh, dra uh, drag brunch. 
she offered her platform and I've tried my darnest to put together three big points to share in this little window. March 31st is Trans Day of Visibility and thanks so much Michelle for giving me the platform to talk a little bit about reflections on those three big points. Oh my god I'm so glad. So first of all your intro was fabulous. Gosh oh. I wish more sellers would get it. That that was such a great example for other settlers listening on how to say, um, you know, your family lineage and how you came to be here, how you see your role in reconciliation. And me as a straight cis, like, I just feel like I absolutely have a duty to have you on as soon as possible to obviously bring awareness to the 31st. But you know what happened today, this morning when I got onto LinkedIn, um, there was a group that had acknowledged that in BC they had done the work and today is considered a two-spirit celebration and awareness day. Um, it's only recognized in BC right now, but man, what a, like what everything coming together for us to talk today and for us to acknowledge that. And of course here in Alberta, obviously that's work I'd like to get going and, and start working on next is that uh, next step, because as uh you know, I talk about gendered violence um, all the time. I usually uh, the national inquiry talks about the solutions for gendered violence and especially against the two-spirit and lesbian, gay, bisexual, uh, queer community in, in the indigenous circles. And yet I just, I'm not hearing um, non-Indigenous talking. And ironically, there's so much conversation right now about oppression, especially towards the trans community. So, you know, I, I just think it's really good to have you on so that maybe like folks obviously in that community aren't listening to me because probably because I'm brown, but maybe if by having you on, they'll listen to you in your circles and be like, oh, I didn't know that there were solutions to this. And maybe encourage them not just to read the volumes of the National Inquiry, but also the TRC. So let's see. Let's hope. Let, that's always well, the TRC, my goal. the 113 calls to action, like there's, there's a lot of windows that we can learn. But yeah, it's amazing. And especially BC, you mentioned both uh, to Spirit Day, they they're deconstructing how their uh, forms work for folks. It's a miraculous time of convening. And I'm so glad that you have that, well, you hit the 10,000 mark the other day. Uh, oh, it's- yeah. Isn't it funny? Like um, I, I talk a lot about, uh, there's great documentary called Bias, uh, Coded Bias. And it talks about the racism in the, um, you know, coding world and the algorithms and, and artificial intelligence and how they're going to misuse that to continue to oppress, especially uh, like obviously the class system for white people, but also uh, QT BIPOC, right? So, um, you know, and, and TikTok and everybody's trying to demonize it. Well, not everybody. It's really just, you know, meta trying to demonize TikTok as a foreign influence um, when the truth is like... Uh, Meta I would say all forms of media are influences, yes. but at least talk is opening the door. I've noticed it for trans and queer communities and yes. way more space to talk and engage and find each other. Yes. My friends, uh, my friends from BC, they are very much into Indian talks. So I get to learn a lot from, okay, what, what are communities? What other folks should I be listening to? Yeah, I, I recognize that I'm, we're in different canoes, but it's it's fun to be going down the same river and aware of it. 
It really is. I honestly, I'm so honored to be a part of it. And uh, I just want to give a quick shout out for Nadia Hope uh, Foundation. And it, it's actually Saturday is the um, fundraiser that's coming. And for folks who do not know, um, obviously, unfortunately, I'm like regularly doing vigils and uh, hearing about people being murdered in my area because we are the lower income um, of Calgary, not by any stretch are we as bad as people demonize us. But anyway, uh, Nadia was actually, um, uh, I want to say second or first generation Canadian um, family of Middle Eastern background and was murdered by a boyfriend and uh, just not that far from me actually. And uh, I invited her sister who founded Nadia's Hope Foundation to come to the Van Valentine's Day March that we have. It is, you know, it's for, for all. It's for non-Indigenous and Indigenous, but non-Indigenous never care about their dead Indigenous women. So it sucks. <laughs> anyway, she came the first year and, uh, you know, really glad she's doing a gala to try to fundraise. So if folks are listening and they want to donate, go to Nadia's Hope Foundation and give a little bit of cash there if you can. Um, and her sister talks about uh, gendered violence across the country. And uh, it wasn't Muslim rooted. It was just totally acceptable patriarchy, misogyny in Alberta, violent misogyny that just flourishes that everybody seems to be okay with. So, um, and of course the drag community, they're the ones who are helping and it's gonna be at Twisted Element. So I'm really honored to be there. I'm so old. I remember when the pizza joint that was in there beforehand was new. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I, oh, no. Yeah, no, no, I'm, God, sometimes. That's just a lot of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm that old, but then when I say little things like, yeah, I look like Max Hedrum with my computer video and people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, boy, that's a small demographic now. <laughs> so please, Maddie, I'd love to hear about March 31st. Now, I, I usually go to these events if I can. And uh, usually what happens is that there's, um, you know, well, you, you talk about what your event's going to be like this year. Yeah, so there's a couple of days on, I call it the trans calendar. Uh, we have Pride Month in June that we observe in Calgary. We have Pride Week and that's uh, over Labor Day weekend uh, normally. And then we have Trans Day of Remembrance, which is near the end of November. And that's when we remember the all too real reality of what, what can happen to folks. Uh, whether they look like me or members of the BIPOC community passing or not, a lot of folks are in danger and a lot of folks have passed. So we have Trans Day of Remembrance in November. But from that, uh, there is a desire and a will to celebrate not just general prideness, not just those we've lost, but also the struggles and the liberties that trans folks have uh, in this country and in this day and age. So that's uh, March 31st every year. Uh, is TDOV. There's going to be a lot of celebrations uh, across the country. Thank goodness we live in a country where not only folks like me can exist, but we can celebrate and convene with neighbors of all sorts. Mm -hmm. So in Calgary, there's going to be a flag raising five to six. Uh, we have a little reception afterwards, but a lot of reflections have sort of posed on how do we use a day of visibility 
and it's that balance of bringing up all the problems that folks might not normally see or might be just unfathomable for cis folks or people a little bit more removed from trans issues, yeah. uh, but also to celebrate the liberties. Like being visible is beautiful. Yes. Being when adult, there's a line when adult trans folk thrive, adult or children, uh, young trans folk live. Um, so there's that balance, the teeter totter of how do we celebrate versus well, how do we remember and how do we point out and overcome barriers. And you came about in my life, as you always do, at just the right time for a good pause and reflection of where do, do issues that I hold dear and I suffer every day directly, how does that impact my neighbors indirectly, A, and B, how do the gendered situations that our, our country, our province, our city live in, how do those impact uh, Indigenous folk? And how does that indirectly impact me? Because it does, They're, we're a system, we all live together. So I have three sort of points that I wanna highlight the system and they might sound sad and they might sound bleak, uh, but I wanna I want to let you into a little hint. At the end of those three, I'm gonna tell you why I have hope like there's no tomorrow. Mm. Uh, so with that, I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about, we live in a system where you can't fill out forms that unlock the littlest of liberties. Uh, I know I'll give you a story of a person who in the time of COVID, in that period where we had vaccine cards and had to prove that, they didn't have their real name on, on their card. They had a name that was given to them and set them up for a lot of failures. Mm -hmm. And it isn't the fact that you have to show these cards. Everyone knows that. But if people are frustrated in lines like this person was in Inglewood, yeah. And if there's protests and rallies of yucky people, yeah. sometimes these people get followed into alleys and yucky things happen. Yeah. This happens in my, I'll give you some of my experiences. This happens not just with preferred names for trans people, preferred names or true name, the name that they absorb. When I came out of, when I came out of my mom and when the doctor filled out the forms, they didn't write down Maddie. I had to go through a lot of paperwork to get there. Um, same thing with gender marker. I'm an X marker Canadian. There's M for males, F for females, X for people who aren't either. And a lot of these barriers sort of, uh, it's a risk pileup or a shaking of a pop can that you don't see until it falls over. And through looking, how do we overcome these situations? I have the benefit of a day job that lets me interface and learn from so many elders. It's an obligation and duty, but a true joy. And hearing the parallels of, uh, Inuit discs from the government for uh, making bureaucratization, but also non-Latin characteristics getting dropped off. And that was an eye-opener for me because I've been focusing a lot of, I hear people getting hurt on the street. I hear people not wanting to participate. I hear people not going to vote because they don't want to be identified loudly with all their neighbors as someone that they're not. But hearing the impacts of, wow, folks who there isn't an, a key on the typewriter for what their name truly is, or maybe their name never had keys. Anywho, mm. I was glad to see and horrified to see that not only I couldn't fill out forms, other people couldn't as well, but it's a false system. Whether there's malicious or tent, uh, it's been around for so long, it is malicious. Yeah. Um, but in the outcomes, we know it can be overcome, overcome one grain at a time. So I love seeing stuff, you mentioned BC earlier. BC uh, recently changed their legislation for how their name, 
how people are seen in the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. Canada did something similar in 2017 with, uh, with enabling gender folks, but an even bigger step was in the 70s when they changed every time they had a law that said man, they switched it to person. Sure. And all the doors that were unlocked that so many people didn't even realize were unlocked. Yeah. Anywho. Uh, but you know what? How about, let's not move on for a second. I just want to let no, you know, no, I, yeah. I worked at Service Canada for five minutes. And it was one of the ones that uh, actually did do the work of trying to do uh, changes on birth certificates, changes as uh, sex, all of those things. And I thought it was unduly um, expensive. And of course, that's a huge barrier. And the other thing that really upset me was how you only have so many characters that you can have for a last name and a first name. And it was really confusing to me, especially when folks from uh, Africa would come and they would typically take like a, a paternal, uh, even a grandparent name. And that would be like their first name and not their last name and, um, and not enough characters anyway. So it, it was like the, the uh, Service Alberta um, site that does all of the record keeping like it's a huge barrier. It, it is monstrous. So when you talked about, um, you know, the even the stupid COVID card that we all had, um, there were major gaps in that as well. Because so for example, you know, if, let's say I'll just take my name. So my name's Michelle. Some people have called Michelle's Mickey's, which I'll never understand, but some folk will have that. So if your um, name on your on your Alberta Health number and your COVID number didn't match your passport, then people were having problems flying. And this was of everybody. So like maybe on your passport, it says Gregory, but on your um, AHS, it says Greg. Then, you know, the folks at uh, Transport Canada and Customs, they were making that the barrier to be able to leave. So like they were, their own system was absolutely harming everybody. And that's not even including if you're already going through gender dysphoria. Yeah, and that's a really good point. It's not like everyone is always calm all the time and never shaken. If right. you're having a bad day for whatever the world has set you up for, yep. having to explain to a bureaucrat who just wants to get through their days is, is brutal, yes. brutal. But there's opportunities. Uh, you mentioned Transport Canada. Uh, I'll go, I'll, I'll borrow a bit. Uh, what, when the federal government changed the X marker, and included gender diversity in 2017, uh, Transport Canada changed her stuff the next day. But the rollout has just been horrifying because no one wants to take accountability for these things. And it's similar with other bureaucracy points federally and provincially, but it's a lot of passing the puck while people are A, they don't have the capacity to explain all the time, sure. but B, the costs are, are huge. And it's not like folks who are accessing these services, whether they be economically depressed for who they are, what they are, where they came from. Trans folks aren't in the top percentile of income in this country. And I'm pretty sure from all the episodes I've heard from you and all the reports, a lot of your listening groups, members that you bring voice to also don't have lots of money. That's so true. like my own story is I've taken a paced approach because I can't afford a hundred bucks uh, all the time, but I can here and there. Sure. Um, anywho, uh, I'll pivot a little bit for bureaucracy. It's 
it's the entrenchment is also an issue for people who are fingerprinting to change their names. In most countries, in most places, when you change your name, it's basically a process that says, does this person have a criminal record? Is, and then you put the new name sort of sticker over the folder as the metaphor. In Alberta, you go and get fingerprinted so that they can check if you're involved in any criminal cases, whether you're a trans, whether you're a 14 year old, it's very restrictive. Um, it's so restrictive that for any X marker person to do it, they have to break the law. So the Mounties have found like they have to gather sex markers, but they haven't updated their forms. And now they have this whole realization of we've never needed to collect this information for this task at all. Um, anywho, it's funny, like you go in, you do your fingerprints, you give your ID, my ID has an X marker, you sign that your ID has an F or an M, and it's like the system doesn't allow this, but I'm going to have to lie and defraud the police openly just to move on to the next gate. I'm going to have to chop off the last letters of my name just to move off the next gate or I have to change the naming convention or how many names I have just to get through that next gate for a system that you can't always count on. <laughs> Anywho, speaking of can't always count on, are you ready for my second point? Yes. System grief. Okay, uh, so we talked about a system where you can't fill out forms and we know that that can be overcome, but it's a grain by grain sort of thing. Uh, I also want to point out it's a system where you can't necessarily count on authority. You can't count on the cops. And that's going to be my placeholder. Uh, I'll give you another little story of brutality to set the situation. Because a lot of cops show up to work wanting to do good. But I want to frame the, a little bit of it. Uh, I'll do a bit of the zoom out to tra trends. And then I'll do a little contrast again with other communities and treaty partners and folks that well, other folks are squatting on their land. So uh, a story of a person, uh, I call it the brutality of frustration. Uh, assaulted in the morning, couldn't get, uh, they're on their way to work on foot and they got assaulted in the morning. Tears shut down the whole kit and caboodle. But they're so motivated because their workplace is acceptive, they go to work anyways. They get through it, they plow through, work ends shortly. You know what? They've had such a good experience they're gonna go and report what happened in the morning to the police. And on the way to the police, they get pulled over by the police asking, why do they look like that? And a lot of profiling, and it's funny and it's horrible in that story, the crime couldn't be reported because the cops didn't let them get to the police station on time. Uh, that isn't everyone, but that's an experience I've heard in one way or another in many ways for folks with my labels, but also folks with others. Um, I use the word malicious and there are malicious actors in every system, okay. but I think in the experiences that I've seen anecdotally in the West is that it's more of a getting in the way of finishing the day sort of situation. Mm -hmm. A lot of these folks, the system is overworked, they're under-equipped, their morale is crushed and half of their team wants to make things better and they get to see the bleakness of trying to climb up that hill uh, as opposed to seeing all the forward action that comes. So that's and, my hedging of saying and, cops. And let me add to that. When I ran for municipality, one of the things that I thought was a disgrace was the amount of police officers that didn't feel safe enough to identify as um, anything. In fact, frankly, if you're not identifying as straight and cis and white, then there were barriers for you. So for example, um, there are many indigenous people that are in the Calgary Police Service right now that are, are in the closet 
they don't feel comfortable identifying as Indigenous because of what they've heard in the circles that they're around. And they're certainly in no position to do that education. But second of all, um, cultural competency and mental health support for police. Like just to add to what you're saying, there isn't any. So well, um, it's worse than not any, like the psyche, the, the mental health training that some of them get has been set up to be dupes. Yes. They've been set up for failure and it's horrible. I don't like what, how it impacts me, but I can realize it's not good for a lot of folks I've heard say the line, uh, it's not why I got into uniform. And it's encouraging to hear them saying that line less and less to minority groups and more and more in the locker room to their peers. Yes. But so many people in so many ways are, have to stay closeted because it's like, I got to get through the day. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, so, I, I know we're on the same page there. So for folks who don't know, um, Maddie cares a lot about our community and, and I could go on about other circles, but I really want to focus on the things Maddie wants to talk about today and uh, just grateful that I, you understand. I, I'd love to, these, these are reflections. We're only yeah. halfway through, so it depends. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. It's bleak how much of a system, and I have to remind myself all the time of like, I've thought about who I am every day, every hour of my whole life. Sure. But I know that this world hasn't even used those words for a hundred years. But it's horrible seeing all the profiling that is just inherent in the system. Again, I don't think a lot of cops are bad. I think most are good. And it's horrible seeing them have to wade through the folks who don't realize the impacts they're having. A lot of folks looking through the front windshield, but not looking at the wake of all the accidents behind them. Right. Uh, I'll plow ahead to the third, but we're getting to the light. So, so we've talked about a system that doesn't let you exist on paper, a system where if you have problems, you, it could be a dice roll of going to the police and a system uh, where your fears aren't accounted for mm. or worse, they aren't fathomable to the people making decisions. Um, a story of this, I, I think it, an all too common story of aloneness in your mind or in your body in a situation where your body is saying, or where you are, you know, this is a dangerous situation, or this is a situation that has led to yucky things historically. But if I flag it to the people around, that creates a new situation that I know is yucky. So the brutality of just keeping things down and keeping things in, and I won't, I'll extend it. It isn't just trans folks who we, or you've heard terms of microaggressions or that sort of thing. It's, I'd say a lot of different communities in minority groups, but I'll also say I've spent a lot of experience. I grew up in Boyland, didn't, didn't like the experience, but I grew up in it. And a lot of the system encourages them to keep their voices quiet. Sure. Keep Don't talk about yourself, it's weak. Uh, it's weak to adjust your world and set boundaries so that people can be in your world. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I think it's, it's a false system. It's something we all believe exists, but more and more we know that it, it doesn't. It's just we're stuck in a flywheel of keeping these things, yeah. causing horrors in the head, horrors in the dark, countless families, not knowing what, and never not knowing what happened to their loved ones. Uh, I'm going to turn around, though, because I've, I keep saying that there's system flaws, but it's a false system. And that's because I think Canada is in a unique spot. And that's why I wanted to come to you. And it's because 
we have a system with an obligation that's higher than its own. Most countries, like monarchies, kings, queens, queens, kings, they get their power from the sun or respective gods or inherent. Uh, it's just always been that way, tradition. Republics get their mandate from the peoples, or at least that's what I've heard. It, uh, it changes, but I've come to find that Canada works different. I know that you're critical of political science training and boy, I am too. Uh, but to use my little undergrad poli-sci memory, Canada is a place that works in practice, but not in theory. But that's only if you're looking at it as a country. And Canada doesn't get its mandate as a country. And I think more and more people are learning that. It's more of a mandate as the facilitator of treaty, of convention, of settlement, and in some cases, unresolved squatting-based relationships and partnerships. But it's the inheritor of all the mistakes that were made. And it's made many, many more but it's, it's, it's not a nation of people, it's more than a state. It's on the crown side of a country, but it's also above the country because it has a lot to fulfill. Treaty opened up for partnership and per on the hook is Canada as a sense. I flag this not to be preachy or anything, uh, but I flag it because as someone who's on the crown side of relationship, who doesn't get the benefits of the system being built for them in their own ways, I look at if we see Canada not as a country, but as a higher obligation authority to help facilitate all the, all the truths and all the lies, uh, we live in a system that inherently one day has to unlock bureaucracy for all people. We live in a system that inherently one day has to empower emergency services so that it's not just someone there for protection, there's also someone there for de-escalation and mm. for understanding what's actually happening in the community they're policing. Sure. Uh, a system that one day or not, where fears are fathomable by allies and allies are set up to support solidarity. I know mm. that's a lot of catchwords, but there's so much opportunity yeah. I see it as someone in a greedy sense, but also in a loving sense of there's so much opportunity to get work, get working. Mm -hmm. And so many other groups benefit when we honor treaty. Because Thank you. when I go, I have a huge benefit of where I work. Some people love where I work. Some people don't. You can look up on LinkedIn. But where, all, where I am is in the business of improving things listening, engaging, but not always taking the lead. Listening is more important. And it lets me go to all these different conferences from all these different lenses. I get to go to the Circle of Friendship Aboriginal Relations, uh, National Coalition of Chiefs, Indian Resource Council, a lot of energy-related folks. But I get to go in rooms of elders, and I get to see, and I get to hear. And it's one of the most liberating things in how I unlock this sort of path and why I wanted to talk to you today is I get to meet folks like Dr. Pat Makokis, who and other folks when we're saying okay in the teepee uh, the men go here and the women go here and two spirit people get get to flow about where they choose and it's amazing to find in a work environment where people pay attention for me to understand where I could belong but more importantly the differentiation. I'm a trans person, I'm a queer person, I'm not a two-spirit person. But being in and around a community that promotes everyone from the way up, or from bottom up, because there is no bottom, it changes all the time, lets me be me, but also lets me be the better treaty partner. Anyway, I, I cut you off, but no, it's amazing at the opportunities that we can unlock, 
unlock. Yeah. And it also amazes me if I do it from my day job, I get to learn this stuff. I take everything I learned from all the struggles, vacuum it up. And then I go and use it to overcome bureaucracy here and there for other folk too. Yeah, that's great. So you were saying that you work in energy. Is that what I understood? Yeah, I work in a trade association. Um, it's called In Service. So it's all the contractors. It's not the Bay Street energy folks, it's the working energy folks. And whether it be from natural gas to solar panels to geothermal, it's on the front end of a changing world in so many ways. Uh, and some, and again, even where I am here is a highlight of the liberties of Canada. I know a lot of people don't like Canada Day and I can appreciate it. The night before Canada Day, I count all my blessings of what the next year can unlock. Um, because I pick up the phone where people like me can exist. Sure. I talk to folks where I get called it on the phone and then I get celebrated by CEOs in Calgary. Mm -hmm. It's a very weird dynamic to be in. Yes. But again, I lean back of it's because Canada is more than the sum of any one government or the sum of any one crown. Remember, it's not just the Canadian crown, there's the Albertan crown, Saskatchewan crown. It's the fact of there are other people who are awake and empowered and are growing in their economic empowerment too, who are holding Canada accountable. And uh, as someone in the back cheering along from the benefits of that, I say, rah, 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 go, go, go. <laughs> well, that's so, great. I'm so glad you came on, Maddie, to talk about this. So, okay, so for folks who are obviously trans-friendly, where should we go on the 31st of March? Good question. Uh, first place, I'd say, is go online. Google what Trans Day of Visibility is, you'll see so many different resources and so many different opinions. Mine is a world that does not have a unifying theme or agreed upon principles. It's just shared experiences that push along. If you're in Calgary, I'd love to see you at City Hall, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. They're gonna raise the flag on, at City Hall Plaza, which is amazing. There's a time in the city where we had to wear bags on our heads. Yeah. Um, and now we get to raise a flag in front of the government building on the government dime. Uh, in other cities, I know a lot of different larger uh, towns and larger cities will have ceremonies of one way or another. Um, and to folks of, who are find themselves rural, I from Morinville to Two Hills to Three Hills, uh, those, those are all great towns in Alberta for your audience. Uh, fear not, like there are people who will be celebrating still in the closet, but all of the online opportunities. So I'd say if you're in Calgary, I'll see you at City Hall, if not, Go online, learn about it, participate in an online Zoom. It's an opportunity to hear about the barriers, but also to think about the liberties, the liberties that you have that can lift up others, but also the liberties that we can grow our communal society to be an even better place. Right. Um, I just want to share this. Uh, I didn't get permission from my husband to do this, so he gets to edit it out if he doesn't want it in. Um, last night we were having a conversation and he was quite upset about what, what is happening uh, globally as well as in down in the States against the trans community. And he said, like, do we have an infrastructure for this? And I said, yeah, that's what the Rainbow Railway is, honey. And, you know, now the Center of Newcomers has that. Like, I advocated and it, it's here now. That was such an easy thing. And he's met um, some of the folks that actually work there. So he was, he felt relief. You could see that. And, um, but it, it, at the end of the day, what I'm telling my listeners is that, you know, old school, so-called redneck, you know, we're many generations of Albertans. 
Um, obviously, this is something that we are very afraid of, very scared of for the community. We have family members that are trans. So for folks who are feeling maybe a little helpless about the situation, just remember as Canadians, we actually can do a lot more to help the community globally. So, you know, maybe also look into the Rainbow Railway, uh, wherever you are in Canada, if this is something that is near and dear to your heart, and seeing if that is something that you can also contribute in a positive way. What a beautiful line. Visibility matters, and it yeah. can get people from yucky places to the liberty that we have here. There's yeah. a cost with all liberties, but boy, howdy, I'm glad we live in a country that folks are drawn to, and we want to draw them here. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's just it. Like, I love that Canada is a sanctuary for those who identify in the LGBTQ2 plus community, because it, it should be, it should be a place for us to, to be because this, it was like that for thousands of years here since time immemorial. Yeah. Um, you know, many genders were allowed to exist here until colonialism, Christianity forced Christianity forced British law. And, um, and the lack of obligation, uh, obligations to our treaty, uh, this is what's caused all of these awful things. So thankfully, we're, we're getting a little more progressive with, as a society as a whole. And, uh, and like you keep alluding to Maddie, that we have a lot to celebrate for. And uh, I am grateful my family members are in Canada. And I am grateful that uh, we have wonderful advocates from outside of Canada that are new here, but are here because this was the safer place for them to be. And notice I use the word safer. And I say safer because no place is completely safe. And I know lots of bigots here in Calgary that would happily you know, do a gay bashing. And I don't want that. I, I know the stats show the numbers are, are more reduced here. But that said, I also know as Indigenous people, we aren't protected when we start talking uh, to the Human Rights Commission, etc. Um, you know, so uh, we have so much work to do as communities. Um, so if you're a listener, you know, work within your community. I'm a big believer that you have to do the work on the ground too and uh, and do that work wherever you are. I know half of my listeners are mainly in Alberta and in Ontario and uh, I'm not going to lie, Ontario's kind of going backwards a bit. So if we could get some changes going on there too, that would be great and uh, start making us a better world. I'm a proud liberal federally, and I believe that, um, you know, folks should read what the prime minister has said, especially on what's happened in Uganda, Uganda. you know, condemned it. Um, we do not believe those are not Canadian values. They shouldn't be Canadian values. And if you are Canadian that just even questions why it is we're having reading with royalty, please do the Googling, do the work about learning about the LGBTQ community, because I promise you, it is saving people's lives by having somebody dressed in drag and just reading a book to a young one to remind them, you know, where there's lots of queer, they're all here and we're okay with that. And not just okay with that, we celebrate that. So, um, these are things that matter to me, and I'm proud to be a straight cis person, but not proud of my straight cis community that is unaccepting of folks who might identify as um, LGBTQ. So, and again, I'm going to throw this out there to the LGBTQ that are white. We have a lot of work to do with racism. Remember, I 
I believe in that in my core. Um, if you read the National Inquiry's 231 Calls to Justice, you will see the answers for your community actually help us all. So, you know, we have to quit seeing the national inquiry as a native issue. This is an, a Canada issue. And as a person who cares about treaty and reconciliation, really, you're obligated to learn about that, too. So, um, Maddie, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions that are a little like, uh, you know, quick ones here. Uh, I just want to know what you're reading. What am I reading? You're lucky. I'm, I'm lucky that I just started my new one. I went from a, a fiction to um, a historical book. It just came in from Scotland. I ordered it in January uh, called Sullivan. It's uh, the stories of a Gale who uh, landed in Ontario, went to, across the prairies, made a lot of friends with Indigenous prairie folk, learnt from them, you shouldn't be friends with us in front of the other white people or you're going to get us all in trouble. Wow. And just sort of the processes of what it meant to be white, but not, uh, but not Anglo-Saxon and have people assume who you are and then be repulsed at your language and the opportunities that come from that when you stop caring about what other people think and you start doing what you want. It's a lovely book. It's in Gaelic, so I read like three pages a day. Thank goodness for uh, Google Translate. It helps me sort of, okay, get the story go word by word, but it's, it's part of my decolonization journey. Good book. That's amazing. Hard to find. Oh God. I hope folks are really inspired by what you're reading, what you're doing, how you see yourself as a settler and treaty partner in a time of reconciliation. Maddie, I'm, I'm so honored to have you on this show. So anything, uh, any other lasting thoughts that you want to go over? I'd say it, if you want to find me, you can find me on most social media at Rocky Mountain Maddie. Uh, and besides that, I'll just sort of leave with a line from Jody Gondak at council a few weeks ago in that everyone deserves to belong. Everyone deserves to feel safe. Very simple, but very lofty goals that I think we can push towards. And I'm so glad for your, your space and your audience and everyone in your world pushing forward because it helps make a better world for me. I hope I can do the same for you. And I'm so glad to be sharing the time. I hope I can come back. Maybe I'll talk work next time. Who knows? A hundred percent. You are welcome back anytime. And especially if you have like a project or something you want to promote. Um, I think having like an initial, like we have lots of returning guests. And for this reason, people get to know who you are and the work that you're doing. So I, I'm grateful that you would come on and share this and speak about what's happening in the community and some of the great things that are happening on the 31st and just grateful to have you on and, and and to call you a friend frankly as well Maddie and even for me I was really surprised with what you were going to say there about um, you know introducing yourself and your decolonizing journey and I'm so honored to be walking this road with you as we go together so thank you. Well thank you for making this space my ancestors used to do those long spiels and they got learned to short shorten them so I'm glad there was space to do it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're on Blackfoot territory. So, you know, and they're lucky it's just me talking because they, they talk for a long time too. So otherwise it'd be a two hour weekly podcast. <laughs> Darn tune. I'd listen. I'd need a break, but I'd listen. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks, Maddie. I'm going to do my exit and read my resources and don't hesitate to chime in and uh, talk and, and add to anything that I'm saying, obviously, because we want to make sure that everybody has the resources they need. So thank you, Maddie. Um, 
All right. So uh, Indigenous Book Club for folks who are interested in learning more about Indigenous issues. We uh, meet every second uh, Monday of each month. And the next one we're going to be reading is about the true intention of Treaty 7. Um, and for me, like, you know, I think you could probably read that book over and over and over again yearly and still pick out new things from it. It's an incredible read. And uh, so if you live in the Treaty 7 area, and then if you don't, I'm sure there are very similar books about treaty wherever you are, you know, I encourage you to read them and then we'll do more of the national inquiry, uh, the actual calls to justice were past chapter 11 now. So come join us. Uh, the reconciliation action group, we had a great um, action that happened on the 21st, which is the elimination of the International Day of Elimination of Racism. And that's to honor the unarmed black men who were shot upon in 1960 in South Africa. And obviously apartheid was a, a great idea that was created from what they've seen out here in North America. So it's incredible that that has been dismantled and yet Canadians happily live in apartheid when it comes to Indigenous people. So uh, really important to talk about. But anyway, what we focused on is the Reconciliation Action Group was the racism that was still rampant in the CBE. Uh, so performatively, they could just change the name of John A. Macdonald. Performatively, they could change the name of the Diefenbaker chiefs. But they are pretty steadfast that we're going to keep that racism and not even work on systemic racism. So uh, we created uh, a red tape event to acknowledge the amount of red tape it is getting to be to do performative action, let alone their claim that they're going to start working on systemic racism, which I don't believe at all. Um, so I think it landed really well. Sorry to add, I'm the, writing down. Really? I think I saw it from many different people flagging like CBE, why aren't you changing this? Anyhow, sorry, okay. I, I, you're on a roll. No, I'm so grateful because you, you know, we kind of need that feedback. And I, I got a lot of really good texts, uh, not going to lie. And we had, um, so Fernanda and uh, McKenna are two youth that are still in the system kind of advocating for those things. And uh, I, God, I could not be prouder of them. And when a grade Len nine advocating for that many years, yeah. because it's the right thing to, that's what got to me. That was the story that right? The heart like grows three sizes because our youth are so like proud and honest and, and just, and just doing the work. Like the youth, whenever I talk to youth, they get it, but it's their parents and their grandparents sometimes that I'm just like, really, why is this concept of reconciliation so hard for you? So, <laughs> so yeah, well, no, it gives thank me you. hope in many ways. Yeah, it does. It does. So um, I got a few texts from a, a few folks asking me about what more can I do? And I wanted to encourage folks who don't know is that a lot of these, um, you know, name changes are, oh, well, we're going to strike a committee and we're going to meet monthly at, uh, you know, Wednesdays at 11 and, uh, oh, last minute cancellation. So, you know, that's a lot of work. You know, they get paid to be able to do that work, but you don't, right, as a lay person. So you can imagine how overwhelming it is for folks who, with any type of barriers, doing this work. So if you're a parent, you know, just kind of figuring out where to put some volunteer time, like this is where we need it. We need you to be at these ridiculous 
red tape committee meetings that may or may never meet. In the case of Diefenbaker, uh, we have a liaison that's part of it that's been meeting with the new principal, but it's still, you're just taking months and months One that translate into One grain of sand at a time. Right? So yeah, needless to say, a lot of emotional labor and time. So it, you know, for folks who are listening, whether you're in Ontario, whether you're in Alberta, I guarantee there's a reconciliation committee somewhere that is wanting your, you know, your skills, whatever you bring to the table. Jacqueline is a great person for communication. She puts out our media releases and some of our uh, graphics have been made by, by so many people. Like it, it's just wonderful. Uh, the poster that we had was uh, Bernanda's uh, family put that together. So, you know, your skills are needed in this journey of reconciliation because clearly our leadership don't vote for leaders who won't do reconciliation but bigger picture um you know work at trying to get this ball moving because whether it's a sports club whether it's a community association everything needs to really start talking about treaty first reconciliation our responsibilities and going together and i'd love it for one day for indigenous people to just be able to breathe and right now we're not there 94 calls to action 231 uh calls to justice so anyway i'm gonna throw this out there for folks that are listening um you can join us here in calgary or join another committee somewhere else I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and cultural safety training or cultural first aid in all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of colour, those with disabilities, and 2SLGBTQ to speak. I want to say thank you to Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin of HereToHelp.BC.ca for their piece that they have on what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work in those cultural action tools are available, so please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat it here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence that marginalized uh, folks experience by the structure of oppression imposed on these lands. So if you go to racialequitytools.org, there's a ton of resource files and you can go and listen to Donna Bevins um, and and her work on what is internalized racism. And I really uh, encourage anyone on the oppression dynamic to learn about those oppression dynamics because um, this is what intersectionality is. And in my opinion, if you're not fighting white supremacy, if you're not fighting ableism, if you're not fighting, um, you know, really harmful uh, straight cis narratives, then you are perpetuating by being silent, by being complicit. So it doesn't matter where you are on those intersectionalities, there's always work for us to do. So learn about those internalized oppression dynamics so you don't perpetrate them. And I see women do it all the time, right? Because they haven't addressed it. And I would have been one of them if I wasn't doing this work. So anyway, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. You can find that at afsc.org. And they have a great section, even uh, some YouTube videos about what to do in order to uh, stop racism or or support somebody who was clearly uh, the target of it. I also want to just say that 
Indigenous people have been talking about these issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions, meetings, public hearings, so it can be regularly disregarded, no more. Honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms if they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus. If they're cutting violence prevention programs, uh, services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, that's since 1996. So for folks who don't get that, like I graduated high school in 94, anyway. Uh, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls Two Spirit, and LGBTQ2 plus gender diversity. Uh, provincially, in Alberta, the Kenny government created 113 pathways to justice. So all the blue voters should be holding their blue MLAs to account on it. Um, I was literally at a conversation yesterday on anti-racism, and I was talking about the new Premier's Council on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Work, and they haven't met. And the well-meaning employee was like, oh, well, here's the link of that info. And I'm like, yes, but it's not being done. There's no work to it, right? Like, if I talk to an Thanks MLA. Thanks for writing it down. I yeah. like it enacted. Exactly. Thank you. Our people are, ex are experiencing extreme racism and gendered violence and educational justice, health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they have zero business running. It should be understood by not just the parties, but local politicians, community organizations, school trustees, uh, sports clubs, and more. Google articles on how non-Indigenous Canadians can become allies, because there's so many of them now. Stephanie Harp and I had an emergency podcast at Christmas in the hopes that we could reach some allies to write and do more about some crises that we are facing. Um, she and I have, were talking about the demand for urgent action to protect the lives of Indigenous women, girls in two-spirit and gender diverse people experience homelessness, which you can find at womenshomelessness.ca. Um, another issue that really worries us is missing and murdered Indigenous and exploited people, and you can go to aboriginalalert.ca to learn more. And the Missing Children's Society of Canada is also has an app you can download, so that's something you can follow. Um, the opioid crisis is ridiculous. It is uh, overrepresented with Indigenous people thanks to unaddressed cultural and mental health supports for Indigenous people. So if you are using substances, please do not use alone. If you are using alone, you can create a plan. Uh, there are some resources that are available that are good. Sometimes it's just texting a friend mm -hmm. so that you know, but you can also go to the National Overdose Response Service. There's 1-800-688-NORS and you can create a safety plan. There are also apps available, including the Braves and Doors apps. 
So maybe consider doing that to help you if you are struggling with that and know that you are seen, you are valid, and we want you here. So please reach out to all any of these next um, supports as well, if needed. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. It is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They also have a website at hopeforwellness.ca with one of those little automated text boxes too. Um, if more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. Again, 24-7 crisis call. If you are non-Indigenous, there are usually distress center lines in your area that are functioning or a functioning 211, but you can also call 833 833- 456-4566. And if you go to crisisservicecanada.ca, there are actually tons of crisis supports for you. For 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta, you can go to their website at ssisa.ca. The following are more to SLGBTQ2 plus crisis supports that are available in most areas across Canada. So if you go to lifevoice.ca, you will find tons of crisis supports and many LGBTQ crisis supports. The Trans Lifeline is 877-330-6366 and the Trevor Project for Youth is 866-844-7386. And I also just want to give a a shout out to, um, I want to say the Trevor Project. I don't have that written down here. There it is, the Trevor Project uh, for the work that they do and for folks who are following, Stonewall Recovery Society had their bricks and mortar gala and raised over $70,000. But if you if you are looking for a more local place to uh, donate, please donate there as well because that, that is a group I will support till the cows come home. Anyway, I guess in this case, Bison, <laughs> somebody stop me. Maddie, please interrupt me. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, this is too good not to. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're here. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care, how I take my power back, How why I started the podcast, uh, to speak freely without interruption, tone police, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people Don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs, even if they know nothing about us, colonialism, the constant surveillance of our people, protests, vigils, and our rights. I and many others share info on microaggressions daily, so it is unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeeping that folks that just survive off the status quo, people who are so in their trauma that they stop people from doing the work, deplete personal resources and energy, internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me, more other Indigenous peoples, folks with disabilities, QT, BIPOC, and others. Masi Cho to my ancestors, to my granny and my mom of what strength looks like through your example, my aunties, my uncles. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. Oh, I was almost going to interrupt you at one point in time, Maddie, to say that because, you know, they're Austrian and they're white. But because they were new immigrants and because they were had an accent and they spoke Austrian, um, a lot, they faced obviously a lot of discrimination too. And uh, so 
and I remember when Ed Stelmack was experiencing racism within his um, uh, party. And I'm like, what? He's just not white enough. And it turned out he wasn't because he was the wrong type of white. He was, uh, he was, I can't remember if he was Polish or Ukrainian, um, but Ukrainian. He, so he grew up Ukrainian first language. See, and so like, like, oh, I'm like, he's code switching. It's like, no, he's, he's living as himself. <laughs> right. Like I, I could not believe that people were discriminating against Ukrainians and, and like, I'm like, whatever. So, and anyway, you know, so I just wanted to validate what you were saying um, for, for one, but also say like, this is my experience with my, my own family. And then of course we have mutual feelings about politics. <laughs> this is Alberta folks. Anyway. Thank you to my husband, Darcy, a big Buffalo rock man, uh, for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child, and my support down the journey of the Red Road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism, and actually, I think he's going to arm me with a, with a body cam now um, at the Reconciliation Action Group. Uh, one freedom fighter came to like walk right in between us and stuff. Right. And um, he was like, I just love John A. McDonald, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, oh, okay, bigot. Okay. Nazi go home. And then he, he whispered, shut up pedo. And I'm like, and I said to him, oh, a real tough man. You won't say that in front of the cameras though. Hey. So I started mocking him immediately. And um so anyway, if I have a body cam on me, then I can start recording morons like that who say ridiculous things. But then it also proves like, you know, we were there to talk about racism and they were there with their hate agenda when it came to trans as well. Right. So um, just more pathetic. Uh, it's a horrible Kool-Aid they're drinking. They're like it's just arrogant ignorance. Right. And uh, and that's that's white privilege. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, thanks to my husband for setting me up on all of this. Anyway, to our child, a Thunderpipe necklace woman, we are blessed to learn from you daily, and we are so honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and a stronger person. I hope my family, my daughter will be proud of us in the future, of us trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they can understand down the road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support Thank you, previous donors, for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go to and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. On my birthday, I put out a birthday wish to go to Ottawa for May 4th. And I wanted you all to know last night, I finally booked the airplane ticket and I finally booked the hotel rooms. I am definitely going. And I'm, if you want to make a donation, you can, I'm just, I'm so stoked. And we're, yeah, we're that's announced. good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did not think our dryer broke down. Um, so I need to figure out how much that's going to cost. And I'm like, I don't know if we can do this. If the car breaks down one more time, we're screwed. I'm just like, I'm dying here. But the truth is to, um, I'll just have to put more effort towards, um, doing more land acknowledgement teachings and, and that. And I was recently um, blessed to be at Mount Royal. I'm going to put out some TikTok videos of uh, the gifts that they gave me because there are some that are just like, oh my God. But my favorite one I'm going to share with you is somebody gave me a jar 
and it, inside are these little cardboard uh, fucks so that I have more fucks to give. <laughs> this is my favorite one. I cannot wait to do a TikTok with that. So anyway, um, anyway, I am blessed. I am very blessed. And I want to say that to folks, uh, especially who donated with the intention of me going to Ottawa in May. I just can't thank you enough because I don't, I, I still don't know how we're going to swing it. But right away, we got more donations when I posted about it last night. So I just want to say thank you to folks who are listening to this podcast, watching my social media and knowing that I just legitimately want this world a better place for my family and for the world, for all of Cal all of Canada, but the, especially Calgary, right? Because I live here and work here and thrive here, thanks to the Blackfoot. Anyway, I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. My beautiful cousin once responded, or you'd be in my dish. So thanks, folks, for listening. And Maddie, thanks again for being on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> right on. Take care, folks.